0: This is the news from the Lord. Hello, America. This is Jeffrey Lord with another edition of the Did He Really Just Say That? The Word of the Lord. We have a special guest today. That would be my friend Jeff Bartas, who, as you know, is running for the Republican nomination for U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania. But first... By now, you've all heard me talk about MyPillow. And now our friend Mike Lindell has done it again by introducing his new MySlippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop the slippers. They are designed to wear indoors and outdoors all day long, and I do. They're made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. They're made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new MySlippers, the slippers are so comfortable that you, want, you will want to get some for the whole family. So go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code JEFF. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including those fabulous Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-606-1043 and use promo code JEFF. Now, let me begin by introducing Jeff Bardos and telling you a little bit about him. In the 2018 campaign cycle, Jeff was the Republican nominee for Pennsylvania's lieutenant governor, winning a four-way primary and receiving almost 50% of the vote. At a time when the opioid crisis was devastating Pennsylvania families and family-sustaining jobs remained in short supply, Jeff ran a campaign focused on restoring hope and opportunity for all Pennsylvanians. Jeff is a proven business and community leader. Born and raised in Berks County, Jeff has been a Pennsylvania resident his entire life. Jeff owns a contracting company and several real estate acquisition and development companies active in the greater Philadelphia market and has previously served as a senior executive at Toll Brothers Inc. and Mark Group Inc. Jeff and his wife, Cheryl, have two daughters, Emily and Sarah. Jeff and his family share a deep love of Pennsylvania. Over the past four years, Jeff has visited every corner of the Commonwealth, has helped save thousands of family-sustaining jobs, and remains deeply committed to serving the people of Pennsylvania. So, welcome to my friend Jeff Bardos. And Jeff, why don't we start off with you talking a, a bit about why you're running for the U.S. Senate, what you would like to accomplish as a senator, and we'll go from there.
1: Well, first of all, Jeffrey, thank you so much for having me. It is always great to be with you. And thank you for your leadership and guidance for all of us as we uh, tackle. You did a great job a couple weeks ago at the PLC when you moderated our forum. And uh, I think we've got a great group of candidates running in both governor, Senate and uh, lieutenant governor. And so should be a great year for conservatives around the Commonwealth. For me, um, I had the real privilege, as you mentioned, to run for and be our nominee for lieutenant governor back in 2018. And Right after that, went back to work, running my businesses and trying to do what I could for our community, like I always have for, for really my whole professional career. Uh, when the pandemic struck and Governor Wolf shut the whole state down and I saw small businesses and mom and pops and working families getting crushed in in where Cheryl and I have lived for the last 25 years and raised our families, raised our, raised our family, um, I decided to do something about it. And so with, with a great group of local leaders, I started something called the Pennsylvania 30-Day Fund. We ended up raising $3.5 million to help save small businesses shut down by Governor Wolf and, and by the Democrats. Uh, now, it was not a partisan effort. Uh, we helped plenty of businesses. I have no idea what their, what their political affiliations were. Uh, we helped over 1,000 small business owners, uh, mom-and-pop businesses across all 67 counties. It's their stories of perseverance, their stories of resilience. Communities across Pennsylvania, main streets across Pennsylvania coming together to support each other. Their stories that I had the privilege to interact with and speak to those owners, over 600 of them personally during the pandemic, it's their stories that inspired me to run for the United States Senate with a very simple premise. If we had more common sense business people on the floor of the Senate, on the floor of the House, and yes, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, we'd have more common sense policies that protect Main Streets. I'm running to save Main Street Pennsylvania. That is my sole focus because I'm a lifelong resident of this Commonwealth, and I love Pennsylvania with every fiber of my being.
0: Well, that's terrific, and and Main Street Pennsylvania needs saving. Um, I remember when I was working for uh, Senator John Hines, uh, the the term in use that was popularized at the time was the Pennsylvania was part of the quote unquote Rust Belt, <laughs> and sad to say, there was a reason for that, and that problem is still around to some degree, and I I, I wonder one of the things that gets to me, and I'm sure it drives you crazy, is that government itself is overextended in all of this. Talk a little bit about uh, what you see as the role of government and what the role of government is not.
1: Well, I think the crises, the multiple crises we're dealing with right now really illustrate that point. And it's a great question because imagine a world where President Biden had come into office and instead of declaring war on American energy resources, he had embraced this incredible innovation we've enjoyed here in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And, you know, Jeffrey, if you take the Utica and Marcellus shales together, together, they're the largest deposit of natural gas in the world. We are literally walking over every day the solutions to many of our problems, not all of our problems, but many of our problems. And what do I mean by that? If we want to stop runaway inflation, the government caused inflation, and more specifically, the Biden administration and congressional Democrats caused the inflation we're seeing right now. President Biden's answer to those, inf- those inflationary problems and the, uh, what we're all paying at the pump is to go to Venezuela or Iran or other terrible countries or to have Russian oil be allowed uh, to, to go around the world. The answer is Pennsylvania gas and American energy. That solves our energy crisis. It also solves the prices at the pump. And more importantly, even than all that, it pushes back against Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin can't fund his illegal war. His war of aggression against ukraine without his energy resources pennsylvania natural gas very simply should be floated on lng tankers all over the world today now what do i mean by that where's government getting away governor wolf and his administration slow walked the permitting for a lng processing plan in Wyalusing, and this is something we should all be talking about a billion dollar investment in bradford county just went up in smoke the developer walked away because slow permitting process Getting, finally, it had enough of dealing with Pennsylvania, uh, and they walked away. A billion-dollar investment in Bradford County, LNG processing, which would have taken Pennsylvania gas, processed it, and put it onto ships uh, that would be bound for our allies, and also to New England. It's crazy what we're doing. The government is causing this inflation, and it's government uh, la- lack of innovation really caused by the government that makes, uh, gives Putin the ability to, to fund his war. Government needs to get out of the way. Now, talk a little more about inflation. If I was in the White House right now, and I'd be advising—if you know, I was president, or if I was advising President Biden—I would say right now, right now, moratorium on any regulation that impacts costs for business, and freeze every penny of government spending today, except for defense. Every penny, every budget is frozen in place. No more increases. We're going to stop. We're going to do everything we can to stop inflation, and it starts with government spending.
0: Well, that's right. And yeah, you know, Jeff, I—I I would always joke with people. That the way This is the way Washington works. Some Congressman wakes up in the morning and his young daughter or, or young son has a runny nose. The light goes on. He goes to the floor of the House or Senate and introduces the bill to create the Department of Children with runny noses. <laughs> they, they vote to, to do it. They build a ten story building somewhere off of Pennsylvania Avenue. They hire thousands and thousands of bureaucrats who are getting paid around a hundred grand apiece. And uh, kids still have runny noses, uh, yeah, but the whole bureaucracy set up. This this is in essence how this has come to work, and it's not good. It's terrible. And,
1: and as I mentioned, I'm running to save Main Street. We can have the fastest growing, most dynamic economy in the whole nation. Pennsylvania can lead the nation as we often have over our our storied history. Uh, boom towns all across Pennsylvania. All 67 counties can enjoy this uh, this resurgence if we just embrace our, our energy resources, we do everything we can to support our agriculture industry, and we do everything we can to attract more employers here. Um, but I think as a senator in Washington, Senator Jeff Bartos, going down to Washington, priority number one will be fighting for pipelines so that Pennsylvania's energy resources can get to New England, can get to the Gulf Coast, and I think right now, most importantly, get floated on LNG tankers to, uh, to support our allies around the world and get them off the drug that is is cheap Russian energy.
0: I think people were a little slow in 2016 to to understand how much Donald Trump's uh, message on this kind of thing resonated and I remember being at a a Trump event in 2016 and I was standing next to a woman and he wasn't on stage yet so we were chatting and she worked for the Hershey Company for something like 20 years and the job went to Mexico she was so mad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think that that uh, has been a, a real problem here that we're dealing with on trade issues is that Pennsylvania jobs go floating out of the Commonwealth not to return. And that's, you know, man, you've got people who are dependent on these jobs for their their kids, their livelihood, uh, you know, all the rest. And they, there they go.
1: And I think it's important, right, as listeners are are looking at this race, and I think something like 50% of the voters are still undecided in the Senate race, take a hard look at how the candidates have spent their time. Yes. And I'm not going to say anything negative about any of the other Republicans. Just take a look at how people have spent their time, you know, whether they lived in the state for more than a month, more than six months, more than a year, where they've spent their business careers. I spent the pandemic raising money along with a lot of other Pennsylvanians helping in the effort. I led the effort, but we had a lot of volunteers, a lot of people come to the cause, but proud to lead that effort. I led the effort to raise money and help small businesses on main streets across all 67 counties. The other candidates were investing in China. Some of the other candidates were investing in China. Some of the other candidates were shipping jobs over to China over the last 20 years. That's important. I'm not sitting here telling you they're bad people. Of course, they're not bad people. They're fellow conservatives. But the point is, who has a proven track record in this race of delivering for the people of Pennsylvania? And I'll put my record, our record against any other candidate, I do believe that ultimately that's why the voters should send me to Washington. The other candidates keep fighting with each other. I'll be fighting for the people of Pennsylvania. I'm fighting to save Main Street, Pennsylvania, because I know and love Main Street, Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you've mentioned a key word there, China. And of course, one of the, you're not running for governor, you're running for United States Senator. And United States senators have a seriously key role in setting and making American foreign policy. Talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on China and, for that matter, Russia, Ukraine, the whole nine yards that if you were elected, you're going to have to, it's going to be dumped in your lap. And God bless you for volunteering to have the dump.
1: (laughs) Well, well, Jeffrey, I think uh, when you and I first met, I was telling you why I got interested in running for office. And it, it centered really on Senator Casey's embrace of the Iran nuclear deal. And Cheryl and I have tried to do the best we can to do philanthropic work with the state of Israel, in the state of Israel, uh, Cheryl and our family. uh, We have really invested a lot of our own time and resources in supporting the U.S.-Israel relationship. So it was foreign policy that got me, if you will, uh, you know, I was always active in politics, uh, local committeemen, raising money for great candidates, volunteering at the polls, doing all the things you do at the grassroots level. But it was to, to go from that to running was basically foreign policy. And that's where I've spent a lot of my time. And so I do feel at this moment, you know, looking at the responsibilities of a United States Senator from Pennsylvania, we have such a unique opportunity here in Pennsylvania to lead. And as the United States Senator, Senator Jeff Bartos from the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, I'll be leading on these issues. Because as I mentioned, it's our energy resources that give us the advantage on the global stage. I believe Pennsylvania's resources are the key national strategic tool for the United States as we look at a world that is changing. China is our number one strategic threat. Our energy resources, our agricultural resources, our R&D, our remarkable universities and all the things we have here, that's how we combat China, through economic growth, through economic innovation, bringing the world together around shared prosperity and growth to combat despotism and communism and socialism that we see in China and its, its expanding sphere of influence. Likewise with Russia. Russia's really a gas station with an army. And yeah. so if we squeeze their one resource that they have... Uh, and we push them back. America, American energy resources liberates our allies in Europe. It gives peace and prosperity to many states right now that face the threat of a cutoff uh, uh, in the winter from Russian gas and oil. And so I do think, again, it all comes back to Pennsylvania, and I'll be fighting every day for this place I've called home my whole life. I'll be right. fighting every day to put Pennsylvania first and put our resources first as the United States looks to... Uh, to really, and I give all the credit in the world to President Trump. He woke the world up to China. He woke the world up to the threat that was Russian aggression. He held these enemies uh, of freedom and liberty to account. There's no way that Vladimir Putin's war of aggression, his illegal war against Ukraine would be happening right now if President Trump were in office.
0: Amen. Amen. I, I think that's absolutely, uh, absolutely true. One of the things that has come to concern me sort of gradually over time, you you saw all the shenanigans that were going on at the FBI and the Department of Justice in terms of the 2016 election. And today, I was noticing uh, Charlie Gasparino, who's a financial reporter for Fox Business, is saying that he has learned that uh, as Elon Musk goes about trying to do whatever he's trying to do with Twitter, of a sudden, the Department of Justice and the Security and Exchange Commission are looking at up oh, Tesla out of the blue. How does this happen? I mean, it really concerns me that what we're seeing here uh, across bureaucracies uh, is, you know, depending on the target, uh, is real abuse of power. How do, you, how do you begin to rein that in and, and do something about that?
1: It's a huge problem. Um, I just read an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal from earlier this week where the author quite correctly pointed out that the press finally woke up to the Hunter Biden laptop story two years late, right? Um, and and shocked, like like the inspector in Casablanca, I'm shocked, shocked to find that this was not Russian disinformation, but was that real story. American confidence in our elections and our, the election integrity has been undermined because Americans have lost confidence in the press. Yeah. And the press has done this. The press is the press is guilty as charged here. Uh, The press believes that they caused uh, Donald Trump to be elected in 2016, which is quite arrogant. President Trump won that election. The press didn't win it for him. He won that election. (laughs) He spoke to millions of Pennsylvanians and tens of millions of Americans who felt for the first time in generations that someone was listening to them and they didn't they weren't forgotten anymore. So that's why he won, not because of the press. But the press then decided they had to crush the president uh, during his full four years, and that Hunter Biden story is the most recent example, um, but not not the only example. The most recent example of how the press, working in tandem with uh, national security experts and and uh, and prosecutors, has you know basically gaslights and says, "Well, it's Russian disinformation." Remember, Jeff, fifty quote unquote, national security experts said it was Russian disinformation. They had no proof of it. And they were all wrong. All of them, every single one. And
0: none of them have apologized. (laughs) Not a one.
1: Uh, It's, it is really, I think the way to win this back is truly, I mean, I'm really proud of our campaign. We've been focused on the issues. I've tried to answer every question as honestly and as forthrightly and as directly as I can. Um, When I don't know something I say I don't know, I think there's a complete lack of humility in public life. I think the press has lost the sense of humility. I think our prosecutors in many respects have lost the sense of humility. And I think people who run for office and try to serve and those serving have lost the sense of humility. And and we just need more examples of people at the national level, at local levels, at statewide levels with the humility to say when they don't know, they don't know, to call balls and strikes and to do their jobs. I don't like to quote Bill Belichick very often. I'm a lifelong Eagles fan, but (laughs) do your job.
0: Right. Right. One of the things that that came to my attention because I was on CNN, I found out eventually Jeff Zucker, then the president of of CNN, said to me one night, he said, well, I'm protecting you. And I thanked him and I thought, well, that's great. But I mean, I, your basic mainstream Ronald Reagan conservative, why do I need protection? Well, eventually I found out that there was uh, one group out there that had swamped CNN with 20,000 emails demanding that I be fired. And that was only one. And one of the things that really disturbs me, uh, and I've looked into this and written about this uh, often enough, um, they'll come after Sean Hannity or they'll come after Tucker Carlson now or Laura Ingram Um, in in the day in, in 2012. I don't know if you recall this, but, uh, there was a young liberal college woman who went to Georgetown University. Sure. And she uh, testified in front of a Democratic-sponsored committee that included Nancy Pelosi. And she wanted Georgetown, which of course is a Catholic institution, to pay for her birth control. Well, Rush, Rush Limbaugh made some offhand joke about this. And of course, all you know what was raised and people wanted uh, wanted his sponsors to leave him. And seven of them did. So I looked into it, and I wrote a column called Rally for Rush. I went through all of the sponsors, listed their CEOs, their snail mail address, their email address, their phone numbers, and their contributions to Democratic candidates, which were considerable. Published it all and said to Rush's audience, if you want to help Rush, contact these people. Well, boom. (laughs) One company's stock went through the floor. Uh, Another begged Rush to come back and Rush wouldn't take it. And I heard from him, he was a friend, and I heard not only from Rush, but from his wife, Catherine, saying how much of a help this had been. But what what gets me is there is this instinct out there to shut down people, to shut down free speech. And I'm not really sure what a United States senator can do something, do about that. But I do think that There needs to be some sort of public reckoning with this cancel culture business. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Mike Lindell is a sponsor of this. And I'm sure you've seen one of his commercials where he says that they've tried to take his products out of stores. Uh, Banks have, have, you know, shut down him. I mean, what is this? This isn't America. I mean, this is bad stuff.
1: When I was the student body vice president at Emory University in 1993-94, I graduated in 94, so it's elected in the spring of 93 and served until the spring of 94, my number one legislative goal was to get rid of our speech code. Emory had a speech code which famously was adopted in, in the wake of the Water Buffalo incident at the University of Pennsylvania in the late 80s or early 90s, and I decided uh, that I, you know, we needed to get rid of this. We were a proud uh, liberal arts university uh, with, uh, a great reputation and, uh, I'm proud of my alma mater in most respects, but, uh, they were falling in line with so many other colleges and universities at that time. And so I worked through the legislative process, passed the resolution, had our student Senate, uh, our student Senate pass it. And then we passed it on to the faculty Senate and ultimately to the president of the university. And they got rid of the speech code. Now the problem with that Jeff is, uh, you get, it's ever vigilance, right? You know, you win the battle, but the war is ongoing. And uh, I hate to describe it in those terms because we're all Americans. And at the end of the day, we're all here fighting for our constitution and fighting for our rights and fighting for our liberties and standing up for each other. But at the end of the day, if we don't stand up for freedom of speech, uh, we got nothing else. I mean, as Winston Churchill famously said, uh, courage is the best virtue because without courage, you don't have anything else. And we yeah. have to have the courage to, to, to be in uncomfortable situations and to stand up for beliefs the right of someone to express beliefs that we may disagree with. Um, And so we won that battle. Unfortunately, I think four or five years later, after I left Emory and and things went on, they they reinstituted the speech code. But the point is that this battle has been going on for many years, 30 years plus. And I believe it's going to be going on for many years more. And I think for conservatives, for people who love our constitution, who, who really cherish our rights that are enshrined and our natural rights that are given to us by God, we, we just have to have the courage to stand up and to fight. Yes. And I do, I do think it's really as simple as that, to never yeah. back down and to know that we're on the side. Now, you asked the question about in corporations and giant universities and big institutions. We need another podcast, Jeffrey, to, to, to delve into that. But what I would say <laughs> is all these people with all these high paid salaries and all these responsibilities, where the hell have they been over the last two years to make rational decisions that balance people's health and well-being with the needs of a broader community and the number one example of that is what we've done to college students, high school students, middle school students, elementary school students. We have completely abandoned our young people. The people who are charged with making these decisions in institutions have not stood up and been brave and made hard decisions that balance all of these competing interests and 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 our young people have been absolutely destroyed mental health issues, suicide, drug overdoses, depression, alcoholism, loneliness. I mean, it's it's shocking the lack of responsibility that our, our senior people in high positions of authority and power, the lack of courage that they have in making the hard decisions to look out for someone, look out for groups that aren't the loudest, that aren't the loudest. Yeah, and that's a great I'm, point you raise.
0: That's absolutely right. And I, I'll tell you, well, we'll have to close this out shortly. But I, I was on a radio, the Alan Nathan radio show, which I think is on Salem Broadcasting, uh, a little earlier this afternoon, and he was telling me the tale of uh, uh, a girl who who runs, you know, some student group, and, and I fr- frankly forget what the college was, and she had invited uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West from Texas, whom, as you know, is uh, both very conservative and an African American to speak and the event was disrupted uh he left and they the the mob physically chased her into a men's room uh yelling and screaming at her i i mean this is madness out there i mean it's really tough but i want to end jeff on a positive note here and you know your view of pennsylvania and uh, the role of senator and anything that you want to say
1: well, thank you. And uh, I'll close, by the way, on that prior thing, simply to say that it is courage. It's just courage and, and looking after each other and communicating with each other. And at the end of the day, we have the Constitution. We have the Bill of Rights, most especially. We have our God-given rights and we have each other. And that is enough to win these battles. And we should never, ever, ever lose focus on that and never get down uh, in the face of these challenges. It's been the American story since our founding, Jeffrey. That's right. It's been the American story and it will always be the American story. 250 years from now, you and I won't be having this conversation probably, but, 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 but very unlikely.
0: We'll be but somewhere uh, having it, but not yes, here. <laughs> yes,
1: but, but others will be having these same conversations about the role of government, uh, the role of people in a free society, citizens in a free society. It's, a, it's an evergreen um, conversation, and it's for each generation to, uh, to be vigilant and to protect liberty and freedom. Uh, for me, this Senate campaign has never been about me it's always been about the people of Pennsylvania. It's always been about those small business owners and their fam- and the working families on main streets across all 67 counties. The, the civic spirit that I had the privilege to see every day during the pandemic of people coming together with this simple creed, I will not let my neighbor fail. I will not let my neighbor fall. That's why I'm running for the United States Senate. It is a deep, lifelong, deep love of this Commonwealth. Every fiber of my being devoted to seeing Pennsylvania take her rightful place as the fastest growing, most dynamic state in the nation, Jeffrey, a place where our children and grandchildren choose to live, where people right. no longer have to take planes to see family because they're right here in Pennsylvania. I think, as a senator, United States Senator Jeff Bartos in Washington, fighting for Pennsylvania, fighting for our resources, making sure that our resources get to market and that Pennsylvania takes her rightful place. You know, after six years, if I can call that uh, done, we'll call that a win. And uh, you know, if I decide to run for re-election, that will be my charge again just keep moving Pennsylvania forward.
0: Right. Well, you know, as you know, I used to work for President Reagan and he used to say, if not now, when, if not us, who? And I think that applies and fades to what you're doing out there every day. So my friend, Jeff, we have to fade away at this point. So we're going to close out. Thank you very much. Oh, Jeff, one thing I want to ask you is, uh, do you have a website? Do you we do. That's info?
1: Yeah, Yeah, sure. No. And your listeners, please go to jeffbartos.com, J-E-F-F-B-A-R-T-O-S.com. You can learn all about the campaign. Sign up for our not too frequent emails to see where we're traveling all over the state. Primary is May 17th. Need everybody to get out there and vote. I hope they vote for me. Most importantly, just get out there and vote.
0: Exactly. Amen. All right. And thank you very much. And to all my friends out there for the word of the Lord, this is Jeffrey Lord. Stop by my website, thejeffreylord.com to catch up on the news and views. Thanks for coming and see you next time.